0: We are two days away from what is likely the most important election of our lifetime. Uh, By almost any measure, this is an historic election. Uh, Did you know that more than 92 million voters have already cast their ballots? I mean, let me put that into perspective for you. That early vote number was nearly 67% of the people who voted in 2016. 67% of the people who voted in 2016 have already voted in early voting. In the state of Texas, they've already surpassed their total number of votes from 2016 through early voting. In the state of Texas, 9.6 million ballots have been cast, whereas in 2016, 8.9 million. It's an incredible election. A lot is on the line. I don't know if you remember, but in the 2016 election, of course, it was between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in 2016 and there was a lot of debate about what if you didn't like either candidate what, who do you vote for when you're not, you're not really on the bandwagon of either and there was a bumper sticker I don't know if you remember this there was a bumper sticker that, that became pretty popular and the bumper sticker said nobody in 2016 let's regroup in four years well here we are in the great words of the theologian Yogi Berra it's deja vu all over again It's four years later and we're more divided than ever as a nation. Everything has become politicized in these days. Especially if you're on social media. One of the reasons I got off social media is because it doesn't matter what you say, somebody's going to take it as a political statement. Everything has become politicized, whether it's the coronavirus or schools, whether they should open, or e-learning, or businesses that have closed, and whether they should open and how they should open, or in some states, churches have been closed, and uh, of course, there's the racial issues, there's the issue about football, whether you should play high school football or university football or college football, all of that's become a political issue. Even the idea of mask or not wearing mask has become politicized. So let me state the obvious as I get into the message today. Politics is not an emotionally neutral topic. I recognize that I'm jumping into shark-infested waters this morning. Politics has the power to divide us rather than bring us together. In fact, I have seen this more so in this election than I can ever remember, but politics can so color the way that you see the world that we're left wondering how somebody who has a different opinion than us could even be a Christian. Right? We, we wonder, how, how could you be a Christian and vote for Him? Whoever Him is. Right? Let me be clear. I want to make sure you understand something today. Elections are very, very important. Because elections have consequences. Elections matter because the direction of our country is at stake. And I really believe that. I really believe that the direction of our country is at stake. But here's my question for everybody today. Those in the Life Center, those watching online, those here in the room. Here's my question for you today. What if your guy loses on Tuesday? Whoever your guy is. What if your guy loses? And by the way, I'm not even sure that we're going to know on Tuesday who wins. I really believe that it could be a good while before that is determined. Now, whether your guy wins or loses, I want to give you three things that you need to be remembering this week and in the weeks to come. So open your Bibles with me and let's go to John chapter 18. Let me set the stage for you as we begin to uh, get ready to read this text, John chapter 18. In John 18, Jesus is standing for the, before the most powerful politician of his day. In John 18, Jesus is standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. He's the most powerful man in that area. And this, this is, in some ways, a political discussion. And I'll, I'll show you that in a moment. It, it's, it's in some ways, at least in a limited way, a, a political discussion. As Pilate asked Jesus, are you king of the Jews? So, and in that environment, I want you to see what Jesus said to Pilate, this politician from Rome. John chapter 18, let's pick up the story beginning in verse 28. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. Because Pilate, of course, was a Gentile, if they went into his palace, they would consider themselves unclean and unable then to go worship at the temple. And so they stood outside. Verse 29, So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? And they said in verse 30, If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. It's like, come on, don't, don't insult us. The reason we're here today is because he's a criminal. Now, in verse 31, they really kind of tipped their hand as to why they are there. Verse 31, Verse 31, Pilate said, take take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. That is, you Jews have your own laws. Take this man and judge him yourself. Don't bother me. I've got too many things to do. You take him and judge him by your own laws. Look at the next part of the verse. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. In other words, they were not there for justice. They were there because they wanted an execution. They were there because they wanted him crucified. And they were willing to do anything that they could to make sure that this man named Jesus was crucified. Pick up the story now in verse 32. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. That is, Jesus had already predicted on three occasions that he would be crucified. And so the writer, John, is saying, here's the reason all of this is important is because Jesus had predicted his crucifixion. He indicated the kind of death he would die, and that's why all of this unfolded the way it unfolded. Verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace where Jesus was. He went back inside the palace. He summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Here's where this becomes a political discussion. The most powerful politician in that area, Pilate, serving the most powerful nation in the world at that time, Rome, looks at Jesus and said, I've got a question for you. Are you the king of the Jews? Look how Jesus answers. It's very interesting. Verse 34. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Now, Jesus wasn't being a smart aleck here. If Pilate was genuinely asking the question, are you king of the Jews? Then he he was asking, are you a rebel? Are you rebelling against Rome? Or if Pilate was asking because of what he heard from the Jews, then Pilate was asking, are you their Messiah? So that's why Jesus said what he did. He was in essence saying, when you use the word king, do you mean king in the sense of Of the way you would use the word. Or king in the sense of the way the Jews would use the word. Now pick up the story with me in verse 35. Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Verse 36 and verse 37 and the first part of verse 38 are so important. Read them carefully. Verse 36. Jesus said, My kingdom... It's not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you're right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this he went out and again to the Jews said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Now based on this this story that we just read from the life of Jesus, I want to give you three things to remember this week during the election. As Jesus stood before the most political man of his day, the most powerful man of his day, at least politically, Jesus said some things that you and I need to hear He reminded us of some things that you and I need to be reminded of, especially this week and perhaps even in the weeks to come. So let me give you three things to focus on this Tuesday, especially Tuesday night and Wednesday morning and maybe the days following. Let me give you three things that you need to write down and put them on your computer or put them on your refrigerator or put them near on your TV set. Somewhere you need to remember these three things this week and in the weeks to come. Here's the first one. Our God is sovereign. You need to make sure you remember that. Look into verse 32 and I'll show you why I say that. Remember in verse 32 it says that these things happened. This happens so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. That is, the reason that the the people came, the Jews came and said, we want Him crucified was because that was to fulfill what Jesus had already predicted would happen. God was not pretending to be God. God was sovereignly in charge of every part of of everything that was happening there. And then look over in chapter 19, another example of how God is sovereign. Chapter 19, verse 10, the conversation with Jesus and Pilate continues. And Pilate said to Jesus, Jesus. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Don't you understand how powerful I am? Don't you understand that I have the power of Rome behind me? And you refuse to talk to me, so there's this big, intense discussion going on. And here's what Jesus said in verse 11. Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Jesus said, Pilate, listen, I, I know you're, you're the governor of Rome, or from Rome. I understand you're the governor over this entire area. I understand the power that you have, but you need to understand something, Pilate. Though you do have some power on this earth, there is one who is sovereign, who has power over everything, and you wouldn't have any power unless he allowed you to have it. Ladies and gentlemen, I I am here to remind all of us today during this election week that our God is sovereign. I, I have already voted, and I want to be honest with you, I really hope that my guy wins. I've already voted, and I really hope my guy wins. I'm not going to tell you who my guy is. But I am going to say this, regardless of who wins Tuesday night, you're going to get up on Wednesday morning and God's still going to be on His throne. And I'm not saying everything will be fine on, on Wednesday morning. I'm not saying everything is going to go smoothly. In fact, I think just the opposite. This is just my personal opinion, but I believe there are turbulent days ahead for our nation maybe weeks ahead, maybe it will last months, I don't know, but I believe there are turbulent days ahead. But what I am saying is that regardless of how things turn out on Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever, I'm living for a different kingdom. You see, political turmoil does not disturb heaven. In fact, listen to Psalm 11 verse 4. It says, the Lord is in His holy temple and the Lord is on His heavenly throne. And that never changes. That never changes with the winds of, of, of time. It, regardless of who who is the president, of the United States, the Lord is in His holy temple, and the Lord is on His earth, is on His temp, His heavenly throne. Let me let me give you a little brief history lesson, real quickly, from the Bible. Israel's first political leader, if you will, Israel's first king, was a man named David. David was a wonderful king for Israel. After David came Solomon. Solomon. Uh, God used him to build the th- the temple. After Solomon died, his son Rehoboam took the throne. Now, so so you got David, the wonderful king of Israel. Then you got Rehoboam, his grandson. Rehoboam took over, and he was a wicked, inexperienced leader, a wicked, inexperienced king. And in 931, the nation of Israel split <clears throat> into the northern kingdom, which is called Israel, ten tribes. And the southern kingdom, two tribes called Judah. It was a time of unbelievable political turmoil. It was a time when of unbelievable anger and anxiety as the nation of God split. But hear me and hear me well. God was as much on his throne when Rehoboam split the kingdom as he was when David started it when he was on the throne. God was always on His throne. When David was king, God was sovereign, and He was on His throne. And when Rehoboam was king, God was sovereign, and He was on His throne. God's sovereignty does not rest in the hands of men and women. And I want to tell you something else. God's not watching CNN or Fox News to see how many blue states there are or how many red states there are. The Lord is in His holy temple, and the Lord is on His heavenly throne. And for far too long, I think we've put our hopes in the promises of politicians rather than in the promises of a holy God. Maybe this election is a wake-up call to show us that we need to make sure we're living for the right kingdom. And our God is sovereign. Here's a second thing you need to remember this week, and maybe for the weeks to come. Not only is our God sovereign, but number two, our Savior is king. Verse 36 and 37 Back in chapter 18, verse 36 and 37, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now, my kingdom is from another place. You're a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you're right in saying, I am a king. For the very first time, Jesus admits that he is indeed a king. But his kingdom does not come from the authority of anyone here on earth. Jesus said, my kingdom is from another place. My kingdom is not of this world. The Jews had authority simply because the Romans allowed them to have it. The, uh, Pilate had authority because the nation of Rome gave it to him. But Jesus derived his authority from God Almighty. His kingdom was spiritual. And his allegiance was to God. I just really want you to understand that his kingdom was from the Lord. It was not from any earthly man or woman. And therefore, he was living for a different kingdom. Hello? He was living for a different kingdom. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is from a different place. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to make sure as Christians we're living for the right kingdom. I'm not talking about a political kingdom. I'm not talking about a Democrat kingdom or a Republican kingdom. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. We need to remember what Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6 when He said to God in prayer one day. He said, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was living for the right kingdom. And we need to as well. Now now let me be clear. What happens on Tuesday matters. I'm very concerned about the future of this country. Very concerned about the future of this country. And I'm not suggesting that you need to pull back from politics. I'm not suggesting that all of that is evil and wrong. You need to vote. You need to be engaged. You need to be involved in the political process. You need to do your civic duty. But you also need to remember that you need to live for the right king and for the right kingdom. It's a matter of priorities. Always filter your politics through your faith rather than filtering your faith through your politics. Jesus does not belong to a political party. That may be news to some of you. Jesus is neither Republican nor Democrat. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. I come, my kingdom is from another place. Tony Evans said it this way. I like this. Tony said, Jesus doesn't ride the back of elephants or donkeys. Let me tell you something I hope you never forget. Our loyalty needs to be first, last, and always to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He is our King. Who our President is, is an important issue. That's an important question. But we have a King and His name is Jesus. And I'm as patriotic as they come. I love this country. But I am a Christian before I'm an American. Our God is sovereign. Our Savior is king. And number three, the third thing I want you to remember is this. Our message is truth. In a world of fake news, we need truth. Look at the text with me. Verse 36 and 37. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You were king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you're right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. Notice this, I was born. That speaks about his humanity. And for this, I came into the world. That speaks about his deity. He came into the world. He came into the world to be born. Now, why would he do that? He tells us here: I came into the world to testify to the what? Church, to the truth. I came to testify to the truth. The world around us desperately needs the life-changing truth of the gospel. In fact, Jesus said in John fourteen six, "I am the way and the, I am the way and the truth." The life, And no one comes to the Father except by me. Could I say to you that in this political season, you need to make sure you're focusing on the right message. Make sure you're spending your time pointing people to Jesus rather than spending all of your time pointing people to a politician. Because if we're not careful, we can get so called up in pointing people to a politician that we may be missing the opportunity to point them to the one who is Truth. Our desire should not be to prove that our party is right. Our desire should be to show people that Christ is the truth. Politics has the power to divide us. Jesus has the power to unite us. So share the right message. Now listen, I live in the world you live in. And I understand that in today's society, especially in social media, it's awful easy to develop a perspective of us versus them. We're rapidly being overwhelmed by the secularizing of America. We're rapidly being overwhelmed by the sexualizing of America. And it is so easy in that kind of environment to clench our fist and to rant and rave about what's wrong with America and never one time share the gospel with those who desperately need it. It's so easy to talk about what's wrong with America than it is to take the gospel and say, here's what's right. This is truth. Can I say to you, we're never going to find our way back to Mayberry. We never will. But we can help people find their way to heaven. And that is our calling. God has not called us to have a Christian nation. He has called us to tell people about Jesus Christ. Now, I want to have a Christian nation. And I grieve that this is not the nation I grew up with. But our calling as a church is not to make this a Christian nation. Our calling as a church is to present the truth to people who need Jesus Christ. You see, I'm convinced that the ballot box, I don't care who you elect as president, I'm convinced the ballot box will never change the culture we're living in. But I am convinced Jesus can change the culture. Because only Jesus can change a heart. Only Jesus can change a life. These are scary times. Would you agree with that? These are uncertain times, uncertain days. And I'll confess to you, I don't have a crystal ball and I don't know how it's all going to turn out. But there are three things I do know our God is sovereign, our Savior is king, and our message is truth. Maybe you need to write those down and put them on your refrigerator this week. Maybe you need to put them on your TV screen this week. Put it by your computer this week. Our God is sovereign. Our Savior is King. I'm living for a different kingdom. And our message is truth. Let's remember that this week and let's pray together right now. Would you join me? We're grateful, Lord, that indeed you're in control of everything. You are sovereign and you have sent one to be king over us and his name is Jesus. And yes, we have earthly rulers, but we know the the one we ultimately serve is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you that he came to bring the message of hope, the message of truth, the message of the gospel, the message of salvation would you help us individually and as a church to focus on the right message and to focus on the right kingdom. May we live for the right kingdom. May we share the right message. We do pray for our nation. We pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget, come back tonight for Bible study. Talk about the rapture, 6 o'clock tonight. Love to see you here. I'll be out front if you'd like to come by and say hello. Thank you so much.